This is the Not So Little Librarian podcast for readers, peer reviewed research, and fan fiction alike. I'm your host, Catherine. Before we get started, I would just like to say that I had not realized that while recording, my fat ass was breaking the stool that I was sitting on, which leads to some um, odd little sounds throughout this episode. I tried to edit out as many as I could, but some of them are under the actual audio itself, so just go in forewarned with that, and also that this is very much a, um, it'll come across as a conceited episode, and I hope that it really doesn't, but just, that's another fair warning, so (laughs) know what you're getting into. All right, enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode in a new series. I feel like I'm saying that every week, but eventually I'll stop creating new ones and just start repeating old ones like I have with um, the Unclassics series. But in the meantime, this is the first episode in the Library School series. Library School differs from School Library in that a school library is a library that is in a school, like the one where I work, Whereas library school is a school that you go to for libraries. That is a horrible explanation, but bear with me. So I just finished my master's in library and information science from San Jose State University's School of Information, which is a fucking mouthful to say, but um, that program is actually a library school. And there are others online and in person that are just like it, in the sense that you attend that school for your MLIS degree or your MARA degree, which would be more for archiving than for the library and information side of the field. So that's what library school is. And in this episode, I had originally wanted to talk about one of the courses that I took in which I was a uh, course content creator for a blog-based elective, Um, but I'll get more into that in a later future episode. For now, though, I want to start with something that is extremely meaningful to me as a person, which, I mean, getting my degree finally is obviously meaningful. Um, That email just came in yesterday, so I should I should back up a moment. Sorry. I'm getting way ahead of myself. It's been a couple weeks since I've recorded, and I think that's showing. <laughs> so let me start by saying this week was fucking hell. Um, I had received an email earlier this week letting me know that my MLIS was on hold for 30 days because I did not have everything completed, so I was not eligible to graduate right now. And that came after the graduation ceremony and after the announcement that I had graduated. So I was horrified and mortified and just embarrassed. And then I realized that it was a paperwork slip. Paperwork slips I can deal with. I thought that it was a unit error, which would have been much, much more complicated. But in the end, after a week of me freaking out and having to take an edible every night just to calm down to sleep, um, I received the email confirming that I finally have my master's in library and information science. I have, I have no words to explain how 
empowering and relieving and satisfying and also slightly terrifying that is because it does mean that I do need to probably start looking and applying for jobs again. Since the episode in which I talked about searching for jobs, I have not actually applied for any. It's just been a nice break and honestly, I have... <laughs> I haven't even read anything. I haven't done much besides spend time with my dogs and binge vampire diaries on Netflix. So now that I have the degree, I feel a little more pressured to get back into the job hunting ring, I guess. But that's not really what I wanted to talk about. I'm going to step forward again after taking that step back to kind of just announce that I'm done and I'm so relieved. Um, stepping forward. What I wanted to talk about instead of stress or um, graduation or specific classes that I took, um, I want to share my experience growing as a leader. That sounds so self-absorbed. <laughs> I feel like if you don't know me, that probably sounds like I'm conceited and full of myself and I feel like I can do anything and I can lead people. That's really not at all what I am intending, though. So prior to graduate school, I had had several opportunities throughout high school and community college and then university to take on leadership roles in which I could try to make a difference and get to know people and bond and and be an active participant in different communities but instead what i did was sit in the back row of the theater and just kind of watch as life went on on stage without me and you know one of the seats in the back row it's comfortable you have a view of everything you know what's going on you're just kind of a surveyor of life but it wasn't until graduate school that I really thought I should push myself to step onto the stage and take a leading role in some sort of community. What I started with was actually joining the first generation student group through San Jose State's School of Information which was for people who identified as first-generation students. For me, this was a little different. Um, I, I come from a family where my father went to college and graduated, my mother attended college, my older brother graduated with his bachelor's, my grandmothers both went and got their bachelor's from Santa, UC Santa Barbara, and the other one was... Stanford. This is around wartime though, so I I don't want to diminish that at all because really the degree the degrees that they received are amazing. But to put that into perspective, more women were starting to go to college at that time. I have aunts and uncles who have doctorates and so I'm not really qualified to say that I am the only person in my family to go to college. That is by no means what I identify as. But in my immediate family, 
I was the first one to go for my master's. Now, though, my older brother is going for his master's in an online program as well, which is absolutely amazing. I'm so happy for him. But at the time when I joined, I was the only one. And the group was made up of this diverse population in which some were like me. They identified as first-generation master's students, while others, their parents didn't even finish high school. So there was this great variance in our experiences and our family experiences. So I joined the group to get to know other people in a setting where I felt no one would really be too pushy because it's it's a trait of first generation people in general to take a step back and be more observant and listen and not exactly be willing to just throw your experience out there and shove it down people's throats, which is what I wanted to avoid. I did not want to be in a group where I was insanely overshadowed to the point where I did not feel comfortable speaking out. The SJSU's first-generation student group was absolutely nothing like that, and I am so, so pleased with the experience that I had. So I joined as a general member in 2019, yeah, fall of 2019, and that same semester, I ended up applying for a position that was open on the leadership team as the social media coordinator. I am social media savvy. I feel like that might kind of be a generational thing. Uh, I grew up with some technology. It's not like I had a smartphone in my hand at 10, but, but I've been creating digital content in one sense or another since at least high school, possibly junior high, depending on how you look at it. I was doing simple codes and stuff back in the MySpace days, which is probably a throwback for many of you who are listening. And if any of you who are listening don't know what that is, don't, please don't tell me. I, I feel old enough as it is with my back being currently thrown out right now. And I don't, I don't want to feel older. I'm coming up on 27 in a week and a half. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so... Just pretend like you had a MySpace and we'll go from there. Anyway, I was given the position and I started attending leadership team meetings, which uh, I argue that the social media coordinator position does not really need to attend meetings in the majority of leadership teams. However, the first generation student group leadership team was extremely inclusive they wanted everyone on the leadership team to attend so that all of our thoughts would be heard, all of our concerns and questions, and we'd be able to brainstorm and just kind of talk to each other and come up with ideas that would benefit the whole group, not just the leadership team. That was my very first experience as a leader in a group with other leaders. Shocking. I know. I took that on, I think I was 26. Let's see, that was two years ago. Yeah, I was 25. It took me until 25 before I finally got up the courage to step into any sort of leadership role. Fast forward a couple months to March of 2020. I applied for an open role as a student assistant, a paid student assistant, 
for a journal that I had never heard of before. I was not a reader of this journal, but it was published by students, for students, including student writing, which was something that fascinated and intrigued me and just kind of pulled me forward into this circle that was the Student Research Journal, also known as the SRJ. <laughs> it feels so weird talking about this now, but the SRJ consumed my life for a year. And when I say consumed my life, I mean consumed. When I got the position, it was summer. So I started in June of 2020 and familiarized myself with everything. I actually, <laughs> I haven't even said this yet, I was the editor-in-chief of this journal, which means that I was at the helm and had this metaphorical captain's steering wheel that I was completely in control of. For someone who had very, very minimal leadership experience, I was shocked that I was given the position, especially in the months following where I learned that there had been other applicants for this role. There had been several other applicants much more qualified than I was. And still, I was given this opportunity, this chance to prove myself and to develop my leadership skills. So, in summer, I familiarized myself with the responsibilities and the systems and the backdoor networking, I guess, for this role, and then started reading through student submissions in around late July, early August. I had to go through training, and we had this whole new team of content editors and copy editors. There were only two returning editors. So it was not only me who was new, but I was new, the managing editor who was directly below me and who was in charge of the team itself was new. Three out of the four content editors were new and one out of the two copy editors was new. Looking back, it was, it was difficult to handle, but I had so much help from the managing editor and from our fantastic, super supportive faculty advisor, Dr. Anthony Bernier. And somehow I made it through summer, which was the training period, and just kind of, I don't want to say flourished because I really did not flourish at first. It was very difficult. But I took on this role and just went with it. That means that I had to go into, I don't know, two, three meetings a week. I spent 10 to 15 hours per week, depending on when it was, working for this job to publish this online, double-blind, peer-reviewed academic journal based on library and information science that published pieces by graduate students for graduate students. It's such... Looking at it now, I don't know how I hadn't heard of it before because it was publicized by not only other students and on social media and by the iSchool itself, but by faculty in their classes online. 
a lot of them had introduction articles and things that would mention the SRJ. So the fact that I had just mindlessly gone through the first year without ever hearing of it, year and a half, is ridiculous. The fact that I was given this opportunity when I hadn't read a single freaking issue of it is also miraculous. But <laughs> I learned that I had been offered the position because I'm easy to talk to. I had no editing experience, even though I'm very good at it. That's not me boasting. That's I'm I'm a good editor. I have editor eyes. But no experience when other applicants had. And I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the worst, but I'm certainly not the best speaker. And a large part of this leadership role was attending meetings, not only for the SRJ team or with the managing editor or with the faculty advisor, but also with other student leaders from other groups and also for the entire iSchool, which is insane. There were, I think, 200 participants. I think there were 200 participants at one of the meetings where I had to speak. And it's just... When you, when you start something like that, when you take on a leadership role that you're not really sure what it is going to entail, and you're, you feel like you're prepared, and you know you need to do something to step out of your shell and to make at least one memorable experience. Because attending library school online, it's, it's kind of like being in a box yeah, you can reach out and you'll touch the sides, but it's hard to get that lid off and experience things and make connections with other students and with faculty that are meaningful and that are... If you can hear my husband dying in the background, I'm so sorry. Please pardon him. <laughs> he's fine. He does this every night around this time, but yeah, he he's okay. Anyway... <laughs> So I was in this box, and I had met no one, made no connections um, outside of the leadership team for the first-generation student group, and I realized that I really wanted to. I didn't just need to for myself and for growing my skills and developing the areas of my personality and my um, professional life that I currently am lacking in, but I just wanted to. So I was given this position, and it was partly because I am easy to talk to, and I will listen to others, which when the previous editor-in-chief hired me and she said that, I was I was so thrilled, because really that's that's one of the things that I strive for. I don't care that I'm not the best speaker. I will listen to you and I can regurgitate what you tell me to to an extent. Obviously, I don't have the most amazing memory, but um, yeah, that's I felt seen. And that felt like the first step in starting this new position and taking on so much responsibility, so much more than I had ever, ever thought I would take on. 
So I did this. And I did it for a year. <laughs> and it was one of the most meaningful self-growing and realizing experiences and stressful experiences in my life. That year was hell and heaven combined. And looking back on it now, there aren't even words for... <laughs> there aren't even... There are words for it, obviously. But not that I can think of right now. Um, it was... It was an experience. I stepped so far out of my comfort zone with the constant emails and the reading of professional library and information science steeped articles that were submitted by students and not just from the iSchool but the SRJ accepts student submissions from any graduate student in the world as long as it's in English and it's APA 7th edition formatting, and it is related to library and or information science. It's... It's really a fantastic journal. If anyone listening is currently enrolled in graduate school, you don't even have to be a graduate student in an MLIS or a MARA program. If you have something, even if it's just a book review on a recent relevant book, or an article, or a quick evidence summary, anyone can submit, and I highly encourage you to do so. At the beginning, there were not that many submissions coming in to me. There had been quite a few in the queue. I think there had been something like 35 in the queue when I got the position and started reviewing what was there. And by the time I left, I think there were about 45-ish. We published about four. Yeah, we published four student submissions in the first. And I think five, five or six in the second issue. So there was an issue that came out in December. And then there was an issue that came out in May. And for these issues, what I had to do was... Firstly, vet the submissions as they came through. So make sure that they are relevant and interesting and related to the scope of the journal, obviously. And then see the, to make sure that they abide by APA formatting guidelines and all of the other requirements and qualifiers just to be accepted to potentially go through double-blind peer review. And then I discussed my preferences with the managing editor and listened to her feedback to try to come up with some sort of a timeline and list for the articles and book reviews and evidence summaries that we wanted to prioritize for peer review. What happened then was the managing editor assigned the submissions for peer review and then the reviewers had two weeks, there were two content editors and one copy editor per submission during the peer review process, and then the managing editor got their feedback two weeks later, combined all of that into a culminated report 
and then sent that back to me. I sent it to the author, and they made changes and developed their skills and their submission and their writing in general. Sometimes they took the feedback and just flew with it, and the piece came back after peer review and was just amazing. They had taken these suggestions from the editor and just knew how to turn their original submission into something so amazing and fantastic and just everything that we at the journal had wanted to publish. Other times they would require another round of peer review, which was normal. At that point, it came down to final edits and working with the authors and then getting those and putting them into an issue and publishing the issue. And publishing the issue. <laughs> the first time I did it in December, I had freaked the fuck out because the previous editor-in-chief had gotten COVID. She was graduating, she got COVID, and our time together was cut rather short, so I wasn't able to ask all of the questions that I would have liked to, so I kind of felt like I was on my own and I didn't really want to bother her now that she'd graduated six, eight months prior, whatever it was. And so I just took it on myself and looked at these slightly outdated instructions and figured it out. And my husband had bought me a smartwatch that Christmas. So last year, 2020. I had this Garmin watch and I was keeping track of my heart rate and my stress levels and everything. And it was just this amazing thing. I, I love it. I wear it every day. But that was around the start of when I would wear it. And I kept getting these stress reminders where it was like, go sit down, take a break. You need to lower your stress levels. Or are you sure you don't want to do a breathing exercise? And I checked after publishing the issue in December of 2020, I looked at my stress levels and it was like five hours solid of super high stress and my heart rate was just skyrocketing constantly. And it was horrible. I hated it. That sort of pressure, even though it was an online publication so I could go back in and make changes if I needed to, that sort of pressure, just getting that up and out there and knowing that even though I can go and touch it and fix things later if needed, it would be a whole nother round of doing the exact same thing that I'd done if I had to fix something. So it felt like I needed to just get it done, let it live online, and not touch it again. Which, it's what ended up happening. I think there were only a couple minor changes that needed to be made, but so much stress. I put so much more stress on. I was so much more anxious than I needed to be, considering that, again, I could go on and make changes. But to me, in those five, six hours, it was a life or death situation. Like, there was no in-between. It was all or nothing, and I had to get it done. Going through the whole process again the next semester in spring and then publishing that issue... It was a bit better because I knew what to expect. Um, I had already gone through everything. I had made tweaks to the instructions as I was publishing it the first time. So I knew what was different that I had to adjust the second time. 
That being said, still stressful, still horrible, still had to work with authors up until the last minute to try to figure out some things with copyright and the legality of publishing images, for instance. It was so horrible. I hated it. I hated the stress. I hated all of the meetings that I had to attend. I hated having to read submissions as they were coming in just so I could get back to authors quickly so they weren't wondering what was going on. I hated the side projects that I had to take on to try to get things going and I just hated so much of it. But it was the best experience that I have ever taken on in school. Professionally, it probably meant more to me and gave me more life experience and leadership experience and just professional experience in general than any other activity that I have ever even started, let alone accomplished. I am so proud of myself for what I did. And again, this probably sounds like I'm like bragging or building myself up. I hope that, I mean, we're enough episodes in where you should know that I... I, I don't want to come across like that. I That's not ever how I want to sound. But this this was a big fucking deal for me. This was huge. I went in wholly unprepared and wholly unqualified and still somehow at the end of all of it was told that I had done an amazing job by someone who I respected so much by multiple people who I respected. It was... I... It was satisfying. Authors who I worked with and who I felt dedicated towards and who I wanted published and worked with tirelessly just to make sure that they would have a good experience with the Student Research Journal. They thanked me. They sent thank you letters or thank you emails and... The managing editor who I worked with, we met up in person just last month, just to meet, because we both live in California, and she was coming semi-near to where I live, and so I went and met her up in the mountains, and it was, it was, it was nice, and you don't always get that. You don't always get those type of ex- I, I keep wanting to say experiences, but that, that's what it is. This was a- wholly meaningful experience. And that is in every sense of the word, because not only the relationships and connections that I built and that I still strive to keep up with, but the fact that I took on something that was so much larger than I am and somehow managed to do it and do a okay job or maybe even dare say good job of this and that's not even that's not even the whole point because even if i did a fantastic job of this if i don't recognize that in myself that's not really improvement it's the fact that at the end of this whole fucking shit show i succeeded and i know that i succeeded and i know that i did a good job because that takes a lot more. I don't know about I don't know about you. Think about it. Just, just take a moment. 
when you accomplish something that you don't feel like you can or that you feel like will be a challenge how do you feel when you finish it when you cross that line do you feel relieved or happy or i don't know maybe even sad that it's over or proud because this was really the first time i think where i finished something of great magnanimity and i didn't feel like there was more that i should have done or like there was something that i was missing or that i had disappointed someone in the process or there was no negative there was just me feeling good about what i had accomplished maybe i could have done more but to me i feel like i actually did enough i feel like i did more than enough because i didn't do just the bare minimum either i went on and i did the side projects i went on and i applied for admission to the directory of open access journals for the student research journal i changed some formatting i i did things that i didn't really need to do but that made the whole enchilada taste so much better at the end of the day if that makes sense so yeah that was my experience as a leader there was there's so much more to this i i can't even begin to describe how much work and collaboration and out-of-the-box thinking and the fucking meetings oh my gosh the meetings just how much there was to this job which i got paid for it was a paid student position which is part of the reason that i applied for it in the beginning because i was working 20 hours a week at a library but there was no way i was gonna actually be able to survive off of 20 hours a week at a library so yeah i'm proud I'm proud of what I accomplished, and I'm proud that I had stepped up into a leadership role, into two leadership roles during graduate school, because my track record would suggest that grad school would have been no different from going to university, or going to community college, or going to high school, or going to junior high, or blah blah blah, blah. because all of those, all of those experiences in school I had avoided the spotlight. Again, I just sat in the back row and observed. That was where I was comfortable. That was where I was able to see everyone and everything that was going on. And I could have easily done that in grad school. Very easily. I could have very easily done that, especially because it was online. There was no accountability because no one could see my face. I didn't have to present. I didn't have to put myself out there. But I did, which makes this even more incredible. And I mean incredible in the sense where it is not credible. This is so not me, and yet I did it. And that's really the main thing about library school that I am most proud of, besides actually finishing and getting the degree, because again, such relief. Oh, so proud of my... so happy that that's over. But concerning my pride... <laughs> 
really, it's the leadership roles. I'm, I'm still in awe of myself. Like I'm, I'm patting myself on the back mentally right now. I'm like, just like, good job, Catherine. You did good. You did something right that was, for once, not something you had to do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. Um, I'm going to leave a lot, and I mean a lot, of the ums and the spaces and pauses in here because uh, this this episode is a bit more um, emotional for me. This is something that I am not really able to talk about very easily <laughs> in the sense that it does not come naturally to pat myself on the back, especially in front of other people who could potentially be listening, which I have been keeping track online and there are actually people out there, you, who are listening. So thank you so very much. That is amazing. So awesome of you. I am grateful beyond words. So yeah, doing doing this, recording this episode is not something that I would normally do. Like, I'll, I'll talk to myself in the car. I'll tell myself I'm proud. I'll pat myself on the back. Like, you did good, Catherine. Good for you. Oh, my goodness. You you stood up for yourself today. Or uh, you didn't take anybody's shit at work today. Or just something like that. <laughs> so it's, it's different. That's me in the car. People do some weird shit in the car. I have monologues where I sing like crazy. Um, monologuing for a podcast, obviously, is a bit different, though. I have to think about what I'm saying. So the fact that I want to just kind of let this live as as unedited as I can. Obviously, I need to still edit it. But as unedited as I can to get the emotion across and to get my struggle talking about this crazy shit across. Um, yeah, just just know that the ums... Are there every time I record? Every single time. I edit them out, though, when they are too excessive, just because they can be fucking annoying. But yeah, the yas are also a problem, I know, and those are usually edited out as well. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is this is one of the more honest, open episodes thus far, besides the horribly emotional uh, slightly saddening job searching stress one in library burnout. That was, that was, that was something else. This though, <laughs> slightly more upbeat, a lot more upbeat. What am I talking about? So much more upbeat. This is a good for you, Catherine episode. And also an episode encouraging anyone to read the student research journal. Let me pull up the URL actually. So if you would like to read the Student Research Journal, you can go to scholarworks.sjsu.edu forward slash iSchoolSRJ forward slash. And that will take you to the SRJ's homepage where you can get an idea of what the journal is. Actually, do you know what? I'll read the little blurb about what it is in just a moment. But you can read the SRJ here. You would go to the side on the right and... There is a section called Archive, and you would be able to go through any of the previous issues that are listed there. Uh, I had worked on Volume 10, Issue 2, and Volume 11, Issue 1. Let me just make sure. 
if you would like to read anything from any volume, any issue, but mine is up there too. The other option, though, is to submit. If you are a graduate student in any program in any country in the world, and you have a piece that you think is information or library science related that fits into the aims and scope of the journal, please submit. There's no harm whatsoever in at least trying. Now, just to give you an idea of what this journal is, uh, it says the Student Research Journal, SRJ, is a double-blind peer-reviewed open access journal based at the School of Information at San Jose State University a school within the College of Global and Professional Education. The journal is developed and led by current graduate students at the School of Information and advised by Dr. Anthony Bernier and the Editorial Advisory Board. The editorial team is comprised of current iSchool students. Authors from all over the world <laughs> currently enrolled in any graduate program or institution are encouraged to submit work relevant to the information science field. SRJ endeavors to support and encourage student authors to participate in the peer review and publication processes. We follow a strategic plan that focuses on, one, fostering an engaged community of stakeholders, two, strengthening the SRJ's reputation and communicating the value and opportunity of the SRJ to potential audiences at SJSU and beyond, <laughs> mouthful, <laughs> three, supporting and growing the SRJ with an effective editorial structure, four, and producing a rigorous scholarly journal which showcases excellent student scholarship in the field of LIS at SJSU and beyond. I'm going to wrap up by once again stressing, if you are interested in submitting, please do. If you are interested in reading, please do. But secondly, I just want to say that I am so happy with what I got out of the experience as the editor-in-chief of the Student Research Journal. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I don't think I'm ever going to be the editor-in-chief of the journal again. Uh, knock on wood. But, yeah. It definitely developed me as a person. As well as a speaker and a library professional and a team member and a leader and just so much more. I just grew that sounds dumb. I just grew, but <laughs> you know what I mean, or I hope you know what I mean. Anyway, I'm going to assume you know what I mean. To end, I'm going to just give a brief spiel here. Thank you so much. I already said this before, but thank you to anyone who is listening. That means so much to me. I started this as a way to just kind of put shit out there and hopefully develop my speaking skills or to continue developing my speaking skills since I started that and I took on the SRJ position. <laughs> but this has been so much fun and I'm glad that there are other people who are actually interested in this or who are listening or even if you just put it on in the background and just talk over it. I don't care. It's it's something. You're you're doing you're engaging in some way and I appreciate that so much. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I don't personally have an Apple podcast, so I don't know if you will leave a review or I don't, if you have, I, I don't know. So um, I need to figure out a way to go on and get Apple podcasts. I don't have any Apple products. I don't know if that's going to be a deterrent in any way, but yeah, leave a review. I think they also leave stars or something. Rate, rate the podcast. And this will, 
back on track, this will just help the podcast get discovered. It'll increase visibility or findability. Listenability? <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for your support and your listenership. Definitely appreciated. And I look forward to talking to you in two weeks. Thanks so much. Bye.